0: Six men will enter, knowing they will suffer the unimaginable.
1: Torturing their souls, sacrificing their
0: bodies. Confined in a chamber that knows no mercy.
1: Endangering their very careers.
0: Trapped in a structure more extreme than ever.
1: Imprisoned inside the pods Each with a weapon
0: With instruments of destruction
1: Metal Chair Robot Table
0: Wire Baseball Bad. Bad. They will be detained until...
1: Inside the chamber, it's total
2: anarchy! I might not even walk out of this man's risk is worth it one man,
0: one mission. Imagine what I sacrifice. It's every
1: man
2: for
0: himself. I am ECW. Become the ECW World Champion. Inside, the time has come to seal their fate. It will be a December to dismember.
3: Another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by
4: the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young.
3: And Patrick is braving illness to be here today as he is under the weather. But yeah, that, just a little bit. But that won't stop him from providing you the entertainment you so desire. Eight feet of snow, and I'm sick, so I'm I'm coming
4: in here to deliver On our promise. You're like Brat Hart. Against Doctor's
3: orders, you're going to go into the ring against the Mountie. I am. I'm going to deliver what I promised against Doctor's orders. What do you have for us from the news desk of this? The first full week in December 2017. Woken has arrived. Yeah, and I wasn't quite impressed about how they did it. I'll include the promo here. Who is
0: know the universe knows but i don't think he knows for millennia my soul has wandered through space and time but not all who wander are lost matt hardy is a fool a charade an illusion to mask his own failures and insecurities. Mad Hardy knows nothing of what is actually real. I am well versed in all facets of the multiverse. I have studied at the library of Alexandria, battled alongside Genghis Khan, danced with Cleopatra, held symposiums with Plato, and meditated atop The Great Pyramid of Giza! The ramblings of a madman can be very dangerous. Especially for those of you who listen. Due to my condition, I have laid dormant inside this vessel called Matthew Hardy. But now, thanks to the consumer of terrestrial entities, I have been woken! Last week, was not Matt Hardy's breaking point. It was mine. I actually feel alive again. My heart is pumping, and there's a fire in me that is only growing stronger. And my fire will not cleanse you. My fire will not save you. My fire will make sure all of you burn. Bray Wyatt, you left me with no choice, I send it you to Deletion!
3: What they did was they took Bray Wyatt doing his normal talking to himself promo. Yeah. And then Matt Hardy would steal the feed and then respond back, basically, to whatever Bray Wyatt said. And I feel like there was a better way to introduce this. yeah, Um, But it's a start. It's a start, and they haven't screwed it up yet because that's what I'm most worried about is when anything that they've gotten their hands on in the past, WWE, they just have a long track record of screwing it up. They didn't quite get war games right, in my no. opinion. I mean, it wasn't a screw up; it was a fine match. They take a concept that someone else created and then they fuck it up, just right. uh, just a little bit. Yeah, you know, because
4: they can. That's really why. I yeah. really think that's the Vince gets a gets a shit kicker out of. I, it's because I can do it, so I'm going to.
3: Right, I own this now; it's mine, and I want to put my stamp on it. You yeah. know, I want to put my fingerprints on it because if it succeeds, I'll get all the credit. Right. Because if if the tweaks I make work, I'll get all the credit.
4: If it fails, then...
3: It's never his fault when shit goes to hell. But when it goes well with the tweaks he makes, which rarely ever works, I can't really name something that he took from WCW or another organization and made it better. Can you think of one? I mean, he put Dusty Rhodes in polka dots. I think Ray for a little bit
4: on his debut they they actually really launched that they built that up kept showing all the the little montage of all the masks and they built him
3: up because he was huge when he did well yeah yeah um
4: but i think that had a little maybe
3: the radicals when they first came in
4: yeah i watched the xfl documentary again last night found it on espn while i was up sick and so uh i was watching that at two in the morning Yeah, like
3: he took the idea of football (laughs) and fucked it up. It reminded
4: me of the fact that Vince is going, it's a great idea. And people are going, this is shit. No, this is a great idea. This is shit,
3: Vince. (laughs) And just like this pay per view we're going to review today, like an idea like an ECW takes that and just plummets it right into the ground. You know, like I really have Mm. high hopes, but his track record just indicates to me that this might not be so great. Yeah. But it's off to a swell start. We'll see where it goes next week and beyond. They've got, Raw doesn't have a pay-per-view this month, so they've got a month left until the Rumble. So they've got a lot of time to fill. So we can get a lot of Woken Matt Hardy segments. The uh, the trailer for HBO's documentary of Andre
4: the Giant has come out. I found it yesterday. Oh, you did? Online, well, so. I will
3: share yeah. it on the Facebook page, and I'll post it in this podcast right Here is where I'll put it, right here. He was a god. Literally the biggest celebrity in the world. He is at once a real human, but at the same time a mythological figure. So what did you think of it?
4: Uh, I It looks very interesting.
3: Well, HBO does great documentaries, not just about sports figures, but in general. So, Yeah.
4: So I, I really think it's going to be very well, well put together. Very and good. his
3: daughter had a lot of input on it, so this should be very, very good. That's something that think. the company... WWE had its hand in it, but something that has other hands in it is always a good thing. Right. Because if it was WWE producing it, We'd see Hogan slamming Andre 50 times and get sound bites from Brooklyn Brawler, and that's (laughs) pretty much it, you know? Or, well, he's not around anymore. Shit. Who would they use? Gene Okerlund. Arn. Arn. Like, someone that they use in every single (laughs) DVD release. Get a voiceover of Gene Okerlund. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gene will voice over it. He's still on the payroll. Yeah, like, so, oh, and... Speaking of Hogan slamming Andre, your Silverdome, your beloved Silverdome, finally did come crashing down this week, Patrick. I'm sorry to say it. They didn't just let gravity do its job, though, which I think is very dangerous. They went back and rigged up more explosives and then brought it down. So the Silverdome is no more. No more. Just like ghosts, man. Andre and the Silverdome are just just distant memories. So, yeah, sadly, the Silverdome, no more. I wanted to mention before we moved on, there was this website that should have been one of the most popular wrestling websites on the web because it does what we do, and it reviews old wrestling shows, but it's in text form, and they would have these great GIFs, or some people call them GIFs, but the guy that invented that graphic format calls it GIFs, so that's what I call it. Uh, great GIFs of wrestling matches that you wouldn't find anywhere else, and it was called LegitShook.com. This week, I noticed, because I use their GIFs. I will go get them if we do the same show. If we review the same show, I can go get some great GIFs for the Twitter page there from LegitShook.com, and they have closed. They have closed up shop, and I don't know how long it's been inactive for. Maybe it was popular at one time, but uh, they had great insight into matches, great reviews, and uh, great graphics of these matches, uh, short little video clips of moves and stuff. You can't just search in Twitter or Facebook for the a gif of stuff you'd find on there. So it's really a bummer for me. But Patrick, what else do you have for us from the news desk this week? Well, talking about the women's movement, Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss become the first women
4: ever to wrestle in.
3: Yeah, they wrestled in the UAE. Yes, it was a very empowering thing to both the competitors. But here's my problem with it. And this is my problem with doing business with countries in the Middle East in general or any countries that have oppressive, uh, outdated laws or customs or traditions. And even if they're associated with religion or whatever, uh, you know, that doesn't really it's about human rights to me and it's about freedom of expression and the fact that Alexa Bliss and and Sasha Banks had to have specially made costumes to cover up their midriffs and their really? legs because it's illegal to have women's legs or midriffs bare in public. In their, that country. their dress
4: code in that country is for females or for women in general is, is very... Uh very strict, very stern. Well, yes, and the so, Middle East
3: in general's treatment of women is pretty disgusting. So and,
4: I, I, did not know this part. I hadn't. I strictly just came a glimpse across it, and I did not get to go back and read the whole thing over. I didn't know that they were actually out of their original attire and and all that.
3: Well, yeah, they. That was the only way they could wrestle is if they wore full body costumes. Now, the men can walk out there basically naked. That's fine. No one cares about that. But, oh, no, we can't have women, you know, showing any skin. And I'm not even talking about, like, you know, a one-piece bathing suit they couldn't wear out there. They had to cover up, like, up to their necks. And Sasha was very proud of the match, but she was also very proud of her costume because her husband is the WWE costume designer, or one of them. And he made her this outfit so she could go out there and wrestle. And in and, and Triple H and Vince and all the company were just hyping how this was a breakthrough to have a women's match over there. But at the same time, you're doing business with a country that treats women in that way. I wouldn't go over there. I recognize, it's a you know, it's all about money. It's all about the bottom line. But at the same time, if they treat women like that, you know, I just stand up for my female employees and I say, I'm not... I'm not going over there. So, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm looking at the picture now. Uh, Alexa just had on like a shirt and she pants.
4: was on, she's wearing one of her shirts and a, a, uh, a long sleeve something on over top. And then Sasha
3: an, Banks looks like MVP with pants. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And long sleeves. We had, you know, Sasha Banks in a full purple bodysuit suit and, uh, Alexa bliss in her t-shirt and a, uh, a gray, uh, and red bodysuit and so well, I was not aware of this. I didn't realize that it had it was this big of a deal. I thought that when I had come across it, I thought breaking ground that that was part of them breaking the ground work was that they got to, you know, they wore their regular attire and got to wrestle. I oh, didn't know, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that it it was this, you know, this serious of a of and- a thing.
3: On Twitter, any kind of social media, any kind of political debate or like social debate, I try to stay out of. Uh, but I saw some of the responses on there to people that felt the same way as me. I didn't say anything, but I I saw people respond to them with, oh, it's just that country's culture, and you have to start somewhere. You know, this wrestling match isn't going to change a thing. What they should have done is said, we're not going on this tour because they treat women like shit, and we're women, and I'm not going on this tour. Yeah, And that's just the end of it. You make
4: a very valid argument.
3: Moving on. Well, congratulations, girls. You did. Buff,
4: uh, Buff Bagwell and Raven. Yep, they're settling. They're settling. And apparently this is starting a trend where others are going to as well, which is now getting ready to lead way, quite possibly, rumor is, lead way into new content as of Shotgun Saturday Nights, Thunder, and WCW Saturday Nights.
3: Leading way over to uh, the network. so I had some tweets back and forth with Chris Harrington, who runs the WrestleNomics podcast, which basically analyzes uh, the stock price, uh, trends in merch sales. He also covers lawsuits. So he was covering uh, this lawsuit extensively. He didn't feel like the original cause of them holding off was because of the lawsuit. He thought it was more like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this just because we're in litigation with them, not directly causing them to hold off. They just thought maybe it would be in our best interest to just hold off. We both kind of agreed that we're not going to see that new content, though, that new old content until they raise their price and and set that. That tiered price range that we talked about last year, since Netflix, like I said a few podcasts ago, Netflix recently raised their price to ten ninety nine. WWE, when they came out with the network, said we're gonna price it the same as Netflix. They're the industry they're the industry leader. And so now that means they're a dollar behind. So you're definitely gonna get a, we're gonna be at ten ninety nine. But I'm thinking they're gonna have a tiered system where ten ninety nine gets you what you get now. But like twelve ninety nine gets you, yeah, like Thunder and all this. Like or fifteen ninety nine gets you everything,
4: because yeah. I think that's what Netflix is. They have like a three three prong system, and I fucked up and got the uh, fifteen ninety nine. So I got hit on the fifteen ninety nine. That's
3: like their four K. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. There's a tiered pricing system coming, and when that rolls out, I think that's when we'll see all that that content roll out. As far as the settlement with. Uh, Scott Levy, Raven, and Marcus Bagwell. I'm not sure how much. Uh, he wasn't quite sure that they would be making that much money from the settlement, if anything, really.
4: I messaged Buff when I found out about it, and he said he was happy with the uh, the agreement they reached, and that's literally he, that's how he left it. So
3: Some of the documents that came out that Chris Harrington posted Some of the court documents and stuff, the royalties that they did receive from like DVD sales and stuff didn't add up to much money to begin with. Right. So what they were asking for was not going to be much money based on the numbers that I saw on the sheet. Like you're only in some cases, yeah. In a cup, in some cases, yeah. I think that was on the high end of the scale. Like in some cases, it was a couple hundred dollars and stuff like that. So.
4: Um, And after you pay your lawyers, you're not going to get shit anyway. So I think it was for all
3: this. Yeah. For all this trouble, I think um, it was a principal type thing I could be wrong. Well, the idea, I mean, the idea, if they could have prevailed, that they could have received ongoing royalties from the network and, and that could have been based on views of the content and all this other stuff that would that would solidify a stream of income coming into them. Whereas now they have to settle and take the one time payment and be done with
4: it. I feel like it would have also forced WWE to start having to politically put out, publicly, not politically, publicly put out how many times was this actual episode watched? Yeah, exactly. How many views? And they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that because, let's
3: be honest, WCW stuff is watched a lot more. Well, no, they don't. They don't want to put those numbers out there because some of them are going to be embarrassingly low. Yeah, and they think of themselves as this huge, and they are a worldwide conglomerate. But Vince, in his ego, thinks that this company is a lot bigger than it is, and certainly does not want to release numbers on how many people watched this episode of Nitro, and it's like twenty people or whatever. You know, yeah, they, they don't like you know the way they falsify. Uh, attendance numbers they don't want to fall they they would have to do that with their viewer numbers and if they did that they couldn't falsify because then they'd owe them more more. right so
4: this was the best it would hold it's going to hold their feet to the fire however i think there are a lot of others involved in the lawsuit as well well it
3: was it was poised to become a class action where a lot of people were going to join up and so now other people are going to make similar lawsuits and probably reach similar statements or similar settlements. So now everyone's going to get paid a little bit. Yeah. Earl Hetner
4: uh, said something yesterday that he, uh, he would like to have one more run in WWE.
3: As long as he doesn't sell shirts out of his trunk, he's going to be just fine because that's what got him fired originally for selling yeah. the bootleg merch, which was... So silly, but it also says that they don't pay their referees very much money at all. And he, he may, if
4: he's lucky, he may, quite just possibly may, be beat me into the WWE Hall of Fame to become the first referee in the Hall of Fame. However, I've said it, I was going to be the first one, he might beat me to it. Yeah, there's never been just a pure referee no. inducted. There's, there's been people not- that have played the role, obviously. Yeah, you've never had a referee inducted into the Hall of Fame. And
3: I've always... And Bret Hart would love to give the speech for his good oh. friend Earl. Oh, sh- that would be entertaining. <laughs> Take my money now, yeah. Have Bret and Sean out there
4: together having to... Oh, hug again.
3: <laughs> Have a big ch- group hug at the end. I would love that. I Earl in his I big Southern up, draw. I
4: would give up my, my spot as the first to allow to be able to see that live. And watch, well, uh, he watch is, Earl go in. I, I really in all seriousness I feel like Earl Hetner is very devoted well, no. to wrestling and, and very he has given everything he has and still does, even in his sixties.
3: Yeah, and his son refs as well.
4: I Earl Hetner deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, even prior to the screw job, he was the head yeah. official and to this day, partly because of Montreal, he is the most well known referee. I'd say ever.
4: Well, and his work with uh, with Triple H. Remember when he screwed Triple H out of the title? Oh, yeah, the fast count. Gave Jericho
3: his first title win. Oh, no, commercial break. No, you didn't win it. I am still pissed off about (laughs) that. A referee's decision. is final, damn it. Yeah, and they got such a huge reaction. So whatever Nitro had going on at 9, they totally killed it because you had a world title match jerking the curtain with a title change. Yeah.
4: Perfect. It was uh, it was very entertaining. Yeah, and, but it still pisses and me. And Earl is very entertaining, and and I really Earl deserves to be into the WWE Hall of Fame. He deserves to be in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. He um, might already be there. He might. Uh, I know he's in the. Uh, I know he's in the TNA or Impact or whatever the hell they're calling themselves now. He's in their Hall of Fame. However, they're getting ready to go out, go under. So that doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's uh, like being
3: in the WCW Hall of Fame. Yeah. He could be brought in for some of the network stuff. A table th- a table for 3 with Brett, Sean, and Earl. How about that? Oh my god, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awkward breakfast with John and Way talk about this all the time, but that's all table for 3 should be is people that don't really like each other have yeah. to sit there together. Not all these friends. No. You know, just hanging out. Just people that have no love for one another and they have to sit there for however long and then have it cut down to 15 minutes. Like that one did you happen to see the one with uh Flair, Steamboat, and uh Sting the other yes. day? They it was fifteen minutes. Yes. You had three of these guys here that you're telling me Rick Flair could only give you fifteen minutes of usable content. Like yeah. It stunk. Yeah, yeah. They learned. I learned nothing. Sting said all of five words. Yeah, and it's almost like he was playing his crow character because he didn't speak. They shoot these things for like ninety minutes. It's their own network. They can run as long as they want to. They could do a special and
4: make it an hour long, and from start to finish, video the whole damn thing and give it to us.
3: But no. No, yeah, you gotta right. cut it down to right. five seconds.
4: You're right, but I think you're onto something there, Brett, Sean, and Earl. Now that is that is a sit down and real live discussion that yeah, we they all might, need they might to see. They might just
3: be silent for 15 minutes and them just slowly eating their biscuits or whatever they eat. We really we need to see that.
4: Nothing else in the world of the news. Oh wait, I'm sorry, Ronda Rousey. Has decided to go ahead and agree that she is 100% on board with WWE.
3: Well, I posted the USA Today article. It's rumored that she's in final ironing out of her contract uh, for the WWE. But like I say every time, we shall see. And like I said before, they are fools if they don't promote this themselves. Other than letting a newspaper, or a dirt sheet, or someone else get the scoop. They need to announce it themselves. Here's the
4: thing. I've already given the scoop.
3: I I said this six months ago. They did it themselves on fucking bring it to the table or whatever. They talked about this shit.
4: I said this shit six months ago that it was going to happen. It was only a matter of time, and details were the only key element that was keeping it from not happening. You could say that about anything.
3: No, that's not true. I I am just that damn good. Y'all need to learn this. But anyway, they're just fools if they don't promote this properly. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah, you're right. But they also probably had Undertaker's final match with no real promotion of it probably being his final match. So this company. Ronda's going
4: to walk into a female Royal Rumble and beat Undertaker. Oh, that's a match I'd actually like to see.
3: (laughs) She's going to walk into a Royal Rumble and do what? An
4: all female Royal Rumble. She's going to walk in, win the thing, go on to main event, female main event, for the women's title.
3: And they can wear whatever they want, because they're in New Orleans, and that's right. where they usually don't wear much of anything. So that's, that's Especially around that time of year, you know. Yeah, as opposed to the UAE, where they have to be in full body suits. But I do think that she's on her way, I mean, based on based on USA today. I mean, that's a legitimate source. So, but like I said, it just has to I just hope that they don't blow it. But like I say, they're not going to Like I say with woken Matt Hardy. Her they're not going to announce her
4: show up. It's going to be a surprise. They're not going to say, "Oh, by the way, she's training cuz she's in the All Female Royal Rumble." Or she's training cuz she's going to be at this Raw for Raw 25. Now, but the they 25th need, anniversary Raw. But they the need to place. sell the network yeah but they're not going to they're going to Well, that's foolish they're going to surprise you with her and then sell you on on her wrestlemania moment that is the only i swear to god that is the only thing they're going to sell you on i'm telling you this is how these people
3: operate well i guess if that's when they do the price increase i guess then that's when they actually want to sell you because yeah Spend $15 for WrestleMania this year instead of 10 or free, as they usually give away a month. Yeah, if
4: you never had it before. So if you create a brand new email address, you yes. can always get a free month.
3: And I believe you have to use a different credit card.
4: But that's all the news I got. What about you? You got any news?
3: No, just uh, I'm sad about uh, Legit Shook, but I'll get over it. I'll find other... Places to get gifs. It's really a bummer, though. You know what's really a bummer? What's that? This fucking pay-per-view. Repeat what you just said. I said it was a bummer. It was pitiful. What was a bummer? This fucking pay-per-view that you made me sit and watch two hours of. I don't think we watched the same pay-per-view, sir, because this pay-per-view was extremely shitty. (laughs) Extreme. It was just to the extreme, okay,
4: pal? (laughs) It was good. No, I'm joking around. It's nowhere near as bad as I'm letting on. It was actually, I enjoyed it, personally. (laughs) There's no need to
3: lie. I did actually
4: personally enjoy it. However, there was quite a few matches that I was like, I don't really think this is a good idea.
3: It's not even so much the match quality. It's how they're booked. Oh, yeah. It's who's booked. Oh, yeah. It's how... The matches are laid out. And how they end. The psychology behind them.
4: Always running people back to the back. Yes. Every single fucking match we saw that. <laughs> they got to run to the back. We got we to gotta scoop you out of the ring quickly. We got to go on to the next one, so I'm going to run you to the back. Even though
3: we have yeah. plenty of time to fill here, before we get into December to dismember 2006 ECW's it was their second December to Dismember. Their first one was in 95, and then it became November to Remember, I think was the the change they made. Before we get into ECW, December to Dismember 2006, which took place on December 3rd, only one week after Survivor Series and only two weeks before Armageddon. So we talk about having a lot of pay-per-views now. Well, guess what? It was the same way... In 2006. Next year, 2018, only 15 pay-per-views. and Down from 19, we dropped four, including Great Balls of Fire. Sorry, Patrick. Oh, damn. I know you loved those great balls. I did. WWE, Cw. this pay-per-view, had some things happen prior to it that were out of the company's control and some things that were in the company's control that led to this being a December of disaster. A dismembered disaster, December to dismember. ECW One Night Stand 2006 was the second coming. Shane McMahon, back in 2005, had the idea to bring back ECW. And what they were going to do is do like one or two matches a week, put it on the website, and just be an exclusive thing for WWF.com viewers, WWE.com viewers to go see. When Vince heard the idea, he said, no, we we do it over the top.
2: We gotta have a
3: show. <laughs> and so, in 2006, after the success of One Night Stand 2005 and the DVD, The Rise and Fall of ECW, they saw dollar signs and they said, you know what? We can do it. We can bring this brand back and we can do it our way. And so, ECW One Night Stand 2006 saw the crowning of ECW and WWE champion Rob Van Dam. In one of my favorite John Cena matches, just because of how the crowd reacts to him, at One Night Stand 2006. Now, I really thought he was going to get stabbed going to the ring. If he had won, the place might have rioted, just like the That was a
4: hostile, hostile environment for
3: him. That shirt was... Not going home in one of their hands. He, they refused to take Johnson's <laughs> he shirt. Throws it to the fans. And they throw it back. We need to talk about that pay per view. That's a good pay per view. We need to review it at some point. in Time they sign all these former ECW stars. Yes, yeah. they sign a few new guys yes. and a few familiar faces. Yes, to pad out their roster. Yes. They get one hour a week on sci-fi. Wow, it's a strange pairing, but. Okay, because sci fi and USA are owned by the same company. So, whatever. So, they get an hour on Tuesday night. So, the very first ECW on sci fi, what do they do? Oh, they bring out the bollocks. They bring out the zombie. And then they have matches that have guess what, Patrick? Rules in ECW. A very strange idea. Extreme Championship Wrestling now has rules.
4: Well, that started kind of letting the air out of the whoopee cushion.
3: Not only that, but this ECW hardcore wrestler, Rob Van Dam, he has both belts around his shoulder. And Paul Heyman says, what are you going to do with that WWE title? And instead of throwing it on the ground, just as Shane Douglas did back in the day, he says, I think I'll keep it. Thus telling you that this belt is more valuable than this belt. So... Everything's off to a good start. Plus, ECW has Kurt Angle, the wrestling machine version of Kurt Angle. I loved his ECW mouthpiece. Yes. He was wearing a mouthpiece. He was going to be like an MMA badass and just beat the shit out of you, out Matt, wrestle you, change his style up. He was no No. longer doing comedy. He was the real deal, a fighting machine. So they've got him. The pieces are in place, man. Here we go. We're off to the races. And right away...
4: We screw it up.
3: Oh, about a month in, Patrick. Disaster. Their two biggest stars on ECW. Rob Van Dam and Kurt Angle are both taken out of the mix. Kurt Angle tells the company, guys, I'm in a lot of pain. I've wrestled. He's got like this... L- I think he has the record streak of back-to-back pay-per-views, like without missing one. He says, guys, I'm hurting. I'm addicted to painkillers. I need out of here.
4: They got found out that he was having some serious issues with abusing painkillers and pain medication. And, uh, and. Because
3: he had to keep going. Yeah. He was one of these guys that never. We had rebroken
4: his neck. Yeah. And, and on two separate occasions. And so he, uh, he was, yeah. And didn't get surgery for it. No. And so he, uh,.
3: He was gone, man. He couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, but then a few months later, shows up in TNA. Look at that. Yeah. And this would burn a bridge for a very long time between the WWE and Kurt Angle up until last year, 2016, when he finally came back. Yeah. Um, but Vince was really burnt by that. So there's your top star on ECW. Oh, by the way, ECW world champion was pulled over. Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam was pulled over in a car with Sabu, with pot in the car. Pot is no longer in their drug testing policy. You can smoke pot now in the WWE and not be really not getting any trouble for it. Now an arrest of any sort will probably still get you in trouble, but yeah. pot itself will not. When did that happen? Because I was not aware of this. If you go to their drug, it, the drug policy is on their corporate website, and you can read it. And it's it says marijuana is not part of the testing. Oh well, I guess because a lot of states are legalizing it.
4: Yeah, you know, so
3: like if okay. if they re- if they have a wrestler that lives in Colorado, he can I guess
4: smoke him some.
3: Yeah, whatever. And they don't care. It that's not the kind of drugs they really are scared about anyway. It's painkillers, HGH, right. steroids, all that shit. Yeah. So Sabu and RVD get pulled over. RVD takes the fall, and Sabu gets off scot free uh, with the charges and with the company and doesn't get punished. But RVD has to drop the WWE title to edge on Raw, and the very next night, boy, it doesn't get more extreme than this, does it, guys? On ECW on Sci-Fi, drops the belt, gets screwjob finished by Paul Heyman, and loses the title to the Big Show. So the Big Show, a very very large, out of shape Big Show, who is the very definition of anti. ECW, as anti-ECW as you can be. Very large. Yes. Is now your world champion. Yeah. One Night Stand happened back in the summer and they knew they didn't have a pay-per-view coming up until December. Now you would think with that much time you could build out a full card. A full card with feuds that are running hot, man. Running hot with new faces like CM Punk, Kevin Thorne who used to be Mordecai. You get all these guys. Mike Knox. You get these guys going, Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker, who I thought did a very good promo on this Dude, show. Matt, I love Matt
4: Stryker, and I feel like he was extremely underrated.
3: So you figure you could get all that together by December. Nope, not these fucking guys. Not this. Not this crew, because this this pay per view only had two announced matches. They were going to try to sell you a pay per view on two matches. Yes. Yeah. And that would be one match between two non-ECW tag teams, the Hardy Boys, who issued a open challenge, which, by the way, was accepted by B.G. and Kip James of the Voodoo Kin Mafia. The WWE does not accept outside acceptances. Yes, yeah. it was accepted by M and M, Mercury, Nitro, and Molina instead. That was prom- a promoted match. Go ahead and, and give the fans
4: who Kip James is. Oh, for, the New so, Age Outlaws. Okay, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Go ahead and some of those yeah. may not actually, some fans may not. For some reason. They may not followed TNA at that point in time.
3: For some, so, re- well, this is when TNA was actually s- pretty hot.
4: Yeah, this was, this was their Nashville still running out of the. Uh,
3: I think they were in Orlando. Were they now. in
4: Orlando at that point in time? Okay.
3: Yeah, Samoa Joe was there and stuff. Oh, like yeah, that. then they were in Orlando. Okay. And I mean, I think Angle might have been there by now. And for some reason, Billy Gunn, when he got to TNA, took BG James' last name, so it's like they got married. Well, I knew they were always in love with each other. So They are very, very close. So, RVD, after his suspension, because he was suspended after dropping the titles, he came back. Now he's at the bottom of the card. Now he has to work his way up. He earns a number one contender shot. And Paul Heyman says, okay, you got it. You want it. Uh, but it's going to be in an extreme elimination chamber, and then they made him work to re-up his number one contendership in another match on ECW on Sci-Fi. Yeah, Hardcore Holly. Yeah, he won a qualifying match to be in this match, but Bobby Lashley ran past him and signed the contract. So Lashley, who's a face tonight, did a very heel thing by stealing someone else's contract to be in this match. You talk about a wrestling
4: machine. Bobby Lashley was. Perfect person to fill that Kurt Angle void, I felt.
3: (laughs) I don't think so. Really? Not yet. No, he was, I thought he was very green in this match, but we'll get into that. Anyway, so that's some of the disastrous stuff going on around ECW at this time. WWE ECW. Tonight, six men will enter knowing that they will suffer the unimaginable weapons Crowbars, tables, barbed wire, bats, oh my. Let the bodies hit the floor. ECW's favorite song plays us in. Augusta was known for the Masters Golf Tournament. Now it will be famous for the Extreme Elimination Chamber.
4: That's one thing they don't want to be famous for or
3: remember. No, Joey Styles, you were very wrong about that. (laughs) Joey and Taz, who... Taz took a big demotion to be an ECW announcer. I'm sure he felt obligated to his brand, but... Man, to go from SmackDown to this, what an Ooh. idiot. Carlos Cabrera and Hugo Savinovich are here tonight, just like in the old ECW days, right, guys? Am I right? <laughs> Eminem is out first. Molina, Nitro, and Mercury. They have a red carpet and paparazzi entrance complete with LED fur coats, which might be under your Christmas tree this year, Patrick Young, if I... But afford one because that that would be awesome. I actually th- thought these coats were really cool. I will, I want to know what possum they ripped these coats off of. <laughs> I wanted to know what the LED said. At first, I thought it said ECW, but they just said other stuff. I oh, okay. Melina does her very famous entrance, a split where she shows her bottom, yes, but the was- camera. The camera cuts away. Yeah. Oh, so extreme. Yeah. So extreme we can't show you this. It was very it was very edgy at its point in time and uh... the crowd boos Eminem. Taz calls Molina Marlena and says he's happy to see her. Jeff is the Intercontinental Champion and Brother Nero and Broken Matt Hardy are out next to take on Eminem who accepted their open challenge that they made the night after They came back, they just reunited on an episode of ECW to take on the FBI and then made an open challenge, I think that was shown on WWE.com at a press conference to make this challenge. Broken Matt will start with broken-faced Joey Mercury. That injury would happen in two weeks at Armageddon when the ladder smashed. And destroy Joey Mercury's face. And there was his a cloud. I I, I want to mention this.
4: There was a a ominous cloud over this pay per view because I, I had that in the back of my mind, thinking, you know, this is about to happen, and also thinking about in the extreme elimination chamber. Oh look how Jack Test is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and realizing that this was very few on his way out, very quickly. Uh,
3: yeah, he was a balloon. Yeah,
4: so uh, there was an ominous cloud in the back of my mind hanging over
3: this pay per view that a yeah, lot with, of people at the time didn't realize. With 2017 eyes, you realize uh, that the future isn't so great for some of these guys. No. So Hardy's chance breakout. Matt attacks Mercury's arm and Jeff helps out. Nitro tags in and Matt goes to work on his arm. Jeff tags in and drop kicks Nitro on his way in. Stereo elbows to Nitro from the Hardys. A double leg sweep and a wheelbarrow to Joey Mercury, who ran in to interfere. She's a crack whore chance for Melina. Classy ECW. Mercury comes in for a moment, and Eminem delivered double elbows to Jeff. Nitro gets a swinging neckbreaker on Jeff and tries a standing shooting star, but misses. Then Matt tags in. Matt hits a big sit-out powerbomb to Nitro off the top turnbuckle for a two-count. Mercury broke up the count. Molina grabs Matt's boot to distract him. Matt gives chase to Molina. He's going to beat up a lady, I guess. But, oh, Joey Mercury appears out of nowhere and clotheslines him. Molina has herpes chance now. Double-team gut-buster to Matt Hardy from Eminem. The Nitro hits a running knee to Matt in the corner. Molina puts Matt in the head-scissors for a minute behind the ref's back which Taz says uh, isn't such a bad thing. Double face buster to Matt, and Melina screams, as she would do often in this match. Oh Probably God. the only thing I didn't like about this match, really, was Melina's screaming. I wanted to, like, cram
4: a sock in her mouth or something just to shut her up.
3: Taz goes into overdrive about his love for Melina. He, yeah, he really does. He is smitten. And he this isn't the, the last tonight. He had a lot of... Uh, he, he, Project yes. Matt counters a double team suplex into a double neckbreaker. Pretty impressive. Eminem cut off the hot tag attempt to Jeff. Nitro does a poetry in motion, stealing the moves of the Hardys, and hits Matt. And Molina screams again. Mercury tries a twist of fate on Matt, but gets thrown into Nitro. Jeff finally gets his hot tag. Hits a flying clothesline to Mercury, an inverted atomic drop, and his illegal leg drop to the balls that he always did. He does a spike DDT to Nitro. Then Mercury gets knocked outside the ring and Matt hits a Pescado to him. ECW chants finally break out. Nitro hits a suicide dive to both of them. Then Jeff hits a dive to all of them from the top turnbuckle. Beautiful. We get a poetry in motion to Mercury, then a twist of fate to Mercury, and Jeff goes for the swanton, but misses. Yep. Crash and burn-a-rooney, as Taz would say. We get a springboard dropkick from Nitro to Jeff, and Melina, she screams again. Eminem catapult Jeff into a turnbuckle. Mercury tags in and puts Jeff in a rest hold. Eminem throw him headfirst into the bottom turnbuckle. Melina sneak attacks Jeff when he's hoofed out of the ring. Nitro delivers a springboard elbow to Jeff, who's stretched out over Mercury's knee. Mercury then puts Jeff in a crossface, but Jeff just stands up and boots Mercury right out of the ring. Mercury attacks Matt, so Jeff can't get a tag. Meanwhile, Nitro pulls him into their corner. They try to catapult him into the corner, and Jeff hits the Whisper in the Wind to both of them. Matt gets the hot tag, cleans house. Combination Bulldog and Clotheslines at the same time was pretty awesome. And then both members of Eminem get side effects. Then Matt hits a second rope elbow on Nitro that only gets a two count. Jeff tags in. Both the Hardys put Eminem on opposite turnbuckles. And stereo superplexes. Awesome. Melina distracts Scott Armstrong. Nitro accidentally drop kicks Melina off the side apron and she thuds to the ground. I was actually worried she might have broken her nose, but she was
4: fine. I really thought for a second there she did because that drop kick was square right on
3: the nose. Eminem put Jeff on the turnbuckle. They were trying to set up a super snapshot. Now Matt hits a double. Twist of fate, and then Jeff hits a nasty swanton on both of them. Yeah, so they stack Eminem up on each other, and so Jeff hits it, and it looked so painful for Jeff because he lands square on his back on this higher stack of bodies on his kidneys. It was it looked extremely painful. Jeff covers Nitro, and the Hardys are victorious in match of the, easily easily match of the night. I disagree on that. Wow, that's pretty crazy that think that there's something better i really i
4: do i enjoy our next match the most
3: this match took 22 minutes and 33 seconds the opening match that's how you know they've got nothing is when they took wrestlers from different brands and said go out there and just go as long as you want tear tear the house down and they did, and they put in a lot of work for a match with very little very little build, very little to come from this match, so they went out there and broke their backs for no, no reason. So I love this match. This match was fantastic.
4: It's tied half and half with, uh, with this next match as being match of the night. Because the next one, surprisingly, the next one I really enjoyed of
3: course you do. Matt Stryker. Because you're a big balls-mahoney, Mark. <laughs> That's what it is.
4: I do like balls. Um, yeah, I know. Matt exactly. Matt Stryker, though. I've
3: been saying it for years. <laughs> RVD is in an ECW.com exclusive. Exclusive to what, exactly? Why are we watching this on the pay-per-view? He says, when you think ECW champ, think Rob Van Dam. That's pretty generic. That's right. Do I understand that there are risks
2: involved in this match? Yeah, I get it. Do I understand that I will most likely leave this match with more scars on my body or face? Yes. Do I understand that I might not even walk out of this match because it's a career-ending match? This extreme elimination chamber? Yeah, I get it. Why am I doing it? Because the wrists are worth the prize, the ECW title. You
3: think ECW world champion? Think Rob Van Dam. Matt Stryker, the former social studies teacher, is out next. He delivers a promo where he's disgusted to be facing Balls Mahoney. He puts over the Elimination Chamber that he's not a part of. He wants to restore order in a violent world. He declares his match will be an extreme rules match. to some applause from the crowd. And then he specifies an extreme enforcement of the rules match. This is why you love this match, Patrick, so you could do more work as a ref
4: dream enforcement. So no eye gouging. Uh-huh. No hair
3: pulling. No. No maneuvers off the top rope. No
4: maneuvers off the top rope.
3: Uh that Drew Gulak would love that stipulation. Two of five live. So and no foul language, please.
4: No, no. Keep it clean. Wh- watch your potty potty mouths. So do not talk about your balls and their mahonies
5: I am Matt Stryker, your teacher. And my opponent this evening is a man by the name of Balls Mahoney. That's what they call him. You know, as I look at this extreme elimination chamber, I want to remind you of the chaos and destruction that will occur here tonight. You see, I feel that I have a responsibility to all of you to restore order in an extremely violent society. I mean, do you like violence? Do you think that I am extreme? would you like to see someone like me in an extreme rules match i'll tell you what my match tonight will be contested under extreme rules oh i gotta see this morals mahoney an extreme enforcement of rules what mr official please please strictly enforce the following rules. No gouging of the eyes. No pulling of the hair. Based on what we just saw, no maneuvers off the top rope. And in light of my opponent's name, no foul language, please. Now, let's see if Balls Mahoney can wrestle under Stryker's rules.
3: Now, you've heard of Ravens rules. It's Stryker's rules, which is a great gimmick. Should have had a longer lifespan. I mean, Matt Stryker should have had a longer wrestling career. Balls Mahoney is out to his ACDC ripoff song, I've Got Big Balls. He... Is dressed like me, basically in a t-shirt and ripped shorts. He looks straight up homeless. Matt Stryker is wearing checkered board speedo with his own face on his asshole, which the camera wants to make sure we get a good look at as it zooms in constantly. And Taz just can't get over that he put Matt put his own face his own face on his butthole. Yes, Balls nearly botches a leapfrog. That's how bad a wrestler this guy is. Hip toss into a cross arm breaker on striker from Balls Mahoney. As Balls Mahoney is going to try to wrestle a technically sound match tonight, which I believe he could do. Dude, not at this point in his career. <laughs> no, it's. I know he's capable. He People capable. are capable of anything. He's capable. He, however, I've, I've should have been. Ha- sh- he's a plunder match guy. I've seen him do it, he's plunder match man. This should have been garbage, can lids, all the plunder. But see, they already had a weapons match later in the show, so they right. can't have it here. So Balls Mahoney is now going to be a technical wrestler. Stryker knocks the snot literally out of Balls' face with a big right hand. He sends Balls Mahoney into the buckles, and then he starts focusing on on Balls' arm. Behind the ref's back, Stryker whips Mahoney down with Mahoney's hair. He's breaking his own rules. Yes. It's pretty upsetting.
4: Well, it's only it's only rules for his opponent, not for him.
3: Oh, good point. The devil's in the details. That's right. A neck breaker gets two on balls from striker. Striker goes right back to Mahoney's arm. A boot slows down striker for a moment and striker goes right back to the Fujiwara armbar. Mahoney tries to fire up the ball's punches but striker stops him and Mahoney's sidewalk slams him. Mahoney goes to the top turnbuckle. What's he thinking? The ref says, no, 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 that's against Stryker's rules, and Stryker shakes the rope and crotches him. A Fujiwara armbar again on Mahoney, and he makes it to the ropes. Balls hits uppercuts to Stryker and back body drops him. Balls lands some more punches before landing a sit-out powerbomb, and 1-2-3 wins the match. What a cold finish to this match. Yeah, and a lackluster match at that. As Balls tried to technically wrestle with this guy, and when he tri- when he when he finally did get to kicky punch, which is what he should have been trying to do the whole time, uh, he would get cut off quickly, and they'd go right back to that striker armbar, which looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked painful, which also kind of because a real armbar like that. Like a Ronda Rousey armbar, you're gonna tap immediately. You're not. Right. It's not a move that you struggle in or whatever. It's not right. a figure four or a sharpshooter or whatever. So that kind of stunk in the match. And also, if you're gonna have balls win, he just needed more offense in this match. And he needed because I think Stryker, Stryker was the real star of the match. I mean, a hundred percent. Like the promo he cut was great. His his constant use of the arm bar was repetitive and kind of boring, but they did look good.
4: Yeah, it was entertaining too, to the point that I started getting a kick out of watching him go right back to it. And the fact that the fans were getting so pissed off yeah. and kept going right back to it.
3: Oh, and they're chanting, Stryker sucks. Yeah, you, you suck. Yeah, I, I think that's why I enjoyed the match so much. Someone in the crowd got a very nasty souvenir as Balls throws his disgusting sweaty shirt. Into the crowd, and someone liked it and grabbed it. Probably, yeah. If if he threw, I would get out of the way and hope that that thing hits the ground. No. It's not like a home run home. ball. No, yeah. not his shirt. We go backstage in the arena, the James Brown Arena, by the way. As CM Punk is shadow boxing, which makes zero sense. And uh oh, we see that one of our competitors tonight in the elimination chamber. Sabu has been attacked. And Heyman shows up and is like, what happened? What happened, Sabu? And for the second ECW pay-per-view in a row, this man leaves on a stretcher. The man that can't be killed. Homicidal, genocidal, suicidal, Sabu is taken out on a stretcher and just lets them do this. Because in his match against Rey Mysterio, it ended in a no contest where they just said, ah, he can't go on. This guy with scars all over his body. This guy that wrestles in barbed wire explosives. Oh, he got kicked in the back. Some, you know, he got kicked underneath the arena. Just can't make it tonight, I guess. Yeah. Bullshit. And this crowd definitely uh, felt the same way as they chanted, bullshit. At the sight of this on the Titan Tron. Up next, Sylvester Terkai and Elijah Burke, the Pope D'Angelo De Niro, are out next. Sylvester Turkai he lost to Kurt Angle in the 1992 NCAA Division I Wrestling Tournament. He would win the next year, but he lost the first year to Kurt Angle. He also fought MMA, and he lost one time, and he won three times, and then he never fought again. And he also tried kickboxing, and he lost both times. And that is the man bear, Sylvester Turkai.
4: I didn't know who the hell he was, and so I assumed he was probably not going to last. And I was right.
3: Yeah, you were, because he had zero personality. None. You know, he kind of looks a little bit like Rusev, but Rusev has a million more times personality than Sylvester Turkai.
4: I thought he looked more like Mike Knox (laughs) before Knox shaved the beard off.
3: It's... The Man Bear and Elijah taking on the FBI, Little Guido and Tony Mameluke with Trinity, who if they tried to avoid shooting Melina earlier, they're going to have a tough time with Trinity, who is barely clothed. This is definitely not going to be allowed to be wrestled in in the UAE, man. She was in very little... This was the most clothes you could wear without wearing any clothes, if that makes sense. Trinity, what she was decked out. Well, do in. we
4: know who? Do you know who Trinity is? No. For the, okay, for the fans who don't know Trinity, Trinity is a uh, a she was in TNA uh-huh. and she was the one of the first ones to actually move from TNA to WWE. Uh, she also is a a female stunt man or stunt woman. For movies and TV shows, which is what broke her into the wrestling background of TNA. And, uh, and Vince is like, oh, they work for the competition. I'm going to steal them. And so she came in, and he didn't really know what to do with her. So he stuck her with uh, with Paul Heyman and ECW and's like, here you go. Make her a star.
3: So, so take off all your clothes. And she did. She did. As did a lot of the ladies on this card, it seemed like. Not many items of clothing were necessary tonight. By the way, the FBI come out to a ripoff of No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys. Taz has now switched his love for Molina; He's now in love with Trinity. Pope is going to wrestle with his hat on and his dreadlocks pulled through it. Guido smacks Pope's hat off and puts it on himself. Mama Luke comes in and they double hip toss Burke and elbow him. We get where's my pizza chance, an old ECW staple. Turkai comes in. The announcers are now tuned out of this match and more worried about Sabu. What happened to Sabu? Where is he? Is he gonna make it? I don't know. The man bear catches Guido The Man Bear catches Guido midair and throws him into Mamaluke, who was on the floor, and they crash into the ground. Turkey lands a Muay Thai kick to Guido as Burke held him. Burke tags in, lands a flying clothesline and a leg sweep to Guido. The crowd want tables. They don't get tables. Mamaluke tags in and lands a few drop kicks on Burke before Turkai comes in, but the FBI chop him down with drop kicks. A double flapjack to Burke, but Burke kicks it too. Turkai comes back in, tosses Guido aside. Burke throws Mamaluke into Turkai who decks him. Elijah then hits the Elijah experience, which looks a lot like the Miz's skull crushing finale. And then Elijah Burke, the Pope, gets the win. Turkai then comes in, and Guido must have been fearing for his life as this inexperienced pro wrestler tries Samoa Joe's muscle buster. You know, the same move that nearly paralyzed Tyson Kidd? Yeah, we're going to have this rookie do it here, and it is a hideous-looking muscle buster to Guido, which gets TNA chance. And Samoa Joe chants, so thanks for putting over the competition, Vince. Yeah. In fact, Joey Styles even calls the move the muscle buster in the replay. He does. And Taz Taz, is like, I know what that move was called. Was I'm crazy. sorry, anytime I see the FBI show up, I pretty much tune out. I just, I've never been a big fan of their gimmick, the wrestlers they have in their stable, anything about them. And then they were facing two other guys that I could, I just don't, I don't care for her. D'Angelo De Niro, I never have. And uh, Sylvester Turkai, we hardly knew you. So I don't have an opinion on you other than. We hardly
4: knew you and the world still hardly knows you. So
3: Sabu is rolled into the ambulance while the other faces in the chamber match. Punk and RVD look on as their buddy is wheeled away. What will we do? Where? Where's he going? Where are you taking him? What happened? <laughs> they say you can't move his feet. Davari and Great Kali are out next. Davari speaks in Farsi. Oh my gosh, it's almost like Jinder Mahal. It's it's almost the same fucking thing. But th- I think Davari's a way better Jinder Mahal than Jinder Mahal is. Oh yeah. Tommy Dreamer is out to his Alice in Chains ripoff music. A baseball slide puts Dreamer on the mats to start the match. Dreamer whips Davari into the guardrail, retreats back into the ring to get away from Kali. But then when Dreamer tries a clothesline, Kali pulls the ropes down and Dreamer goes tumbling over and the ref, you're out of here. Kali is ejected. Yes. And despite being the most biggest man on the planet, you'd think he would just be like, no, no, I'm not going. But great Kali is like, eh, okay, I don't want to be here. He wasn't going to, but Divari ended
4: up having to go and persuade him to. And here's why. Because he, since he was there to help Davari, Davari would have been DQ'd. Davari would have been DQ'd if he had not left ringside within a 10 count.
3: Well, I'm glad you explained that a little bit because if I was Kali, I'd be like, Nah, I, I'm not going anywhere and uh, you really can't make me because I'm the biggest man ever. We want hardcore chance breakout. Sorry, you won't be getting that here. Davari. <laughs> You've come to the wrong place. I know it's called ECW and you want hardcore matches. I'm sorry. You've come to the wrong place. Davari puts Dreamer in a chin lock, then elbows him in the neck a few times, then goes into a neck wrench. Fuck him up, Dreamer. Chance break out. Davari tries a rear-necked choke on Dreamer. Dreamer stands up and drops Divari to escape. Then Dreamer fires up with punches and lands a back body drop. A scorpion death drop lands a two for Tommy. Tommy tries a fireman's carry, but Davari thumbs him in the eye to get out. Davari misses a top turnbuckle cross. Then Dreamer puts Davari in the tree of woe, and does the world's slowest running drop kick to Davari's head. He looked pretty bad. Sorry, I know you love Tommy Dreamer, but this was not a good look for him. Tommy's my boy. Dreamer tries a DDT, but Davari rolls him up, hands on the tights. One, two, three, the match is over. <laughs> what a terrible match. And what a terrible finish. Yes. It's it just ended, just to end. It was very, very bad. And Dreamer, not very happy about this finish. So he goes to chase Divari up the ramp and he goes in the back and uh oh. The great Kali is there. And emerges from the back with Tommy in his choke grip. He's got a double choke. Double choke. Holding him up,
4: basically just hits a double choke slam on him right there on the ant, the entryway, on the ramps. It was very painful.
3: It was a very stupid bump to take a steel stage like that or whatever yeah. metal stage. Yeah, for this match, I mean, for a match that ended in a roll up. Yeah, Tommy Dreamer had to take that bump. Yeah, and it looked very, very painful. And then Tommy Dreamer sells it even more by going, I can't feel my feet <laughs> which Yeah, no, he uh and, and he was not moving. Tommy does have
4: back problems, and so that was a very scary bump. It's stupid. Yeah.
3: For this match. Of all matches, I mean we we give Mick Foley shit all the time for the bumps he takes. At least he's in matches with, you know, Austin and Triple H headlining. He's not just no. Davari Middle of the card, unannounced match, <laughs> taking, getting double choke slammed from a nearly eight foot tall man onto metal. It would be like if he took the hell in a cell bump on an opening match against the Brooklyn Brawler on <laughs> Shotgun Saturday night. You know, like that's the equivalent here. So another terrible, terrible match. Now, Dreamer. Even though he can't feel his feet, he does muster up enough energy to stand up and wave to the crowd, and he gets the hero's send-off, but then has to crawl to the back because of his back. Then we get a very interesting thing. What are the odds of this, Patrick, that Hardcore Holly was not booked on this show? No. But was backstage. Not only he, backstage, but he was in his gear, too. In his gear, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul Heyman comes in and says, I don't think Sabu's going to be ready. Do you want to wrestle? And man, Hardcore Holly, the promo of his life, he says all of like four phrases here. Holly says, I like that. I understand that. So do I. All right. I like Hardcore Holly. I know you do. I do. I like Bob Holly a lot, actually. However, this
4: was not a, uh, his strength is not doing commentary. Are, yeah, not, Mike. Or Mike Wark, I mean, not commentary. Mike Wark. Uh,
3: the fact that they replaced an ECW original, someone that the fans love, yeah, with a, you know, a WWF guy. You know, Spark Plug. Sparky Plug.
4: Well, I like Spark Plug.
3: But... Of course you do. Think... Now, he's a jerk, and he deserved to get his ass kicked in this match. But he didn't, as we would find out. He actually did okay. And the way he was eliminated was classic, but we'll get there. Jealous boyfriend Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly are out first. What a couple. Now, as underclothed as all the females were tonight, of course, the woman who strips on ECW for sci fi is actually the most appropriately dressed female wrestler.
4: She's it's, wearing her
3: normal wrestling gear that she went on to wear for years to come. I know, but it just seems unusual that her. Her deal was stripping. Her deal was being naked. Yes. And she's the most clothed. (laughs) Just think about that. I mean, just booking. I don't know.
4: Her her opponent here. Oh, yes. Ariel. Who
3: folks may not know is uh, Shelly Martinez. Yes, from TNA fame. She would end up there in 2007. So a, a little bit later on. That was yet to come. She debuted on ECW as a tarot card reader. Yes before the old pairing with Mr. Uh, Vampire Man, Kevin Thorne, formerly known as Mordecai, which was a gimmick that they abandoned, and I guess Gangrel was unavailable, so they said, we need us a fucking vampire. Dye your hair black, you'll do just fine. Kevin Thorne and Ariel come out, and Ariel, oh boy, her dress here. You talk about short skirts? I know how much you love her, her dress code here. Her. I love her in general. She is a beautiful woman. Chelly Martinez is, is,
4: is a, a very beautiful woman. And, and he her was, entrance,
3: I thought Melina had some kind of scan This takes Melina's... No, that's that's Child's play. That's She hangs upside down. She hangs upside down in this short skirt and shows the entire crowd just... Every, whatever she's got under there is broadcast to the world. Now, yeah. not... Not the camera. The camera didn't catch it here, but it caught it later on in the match when she threw a leg up, which was... Yes. The cameraman tonight had a lot of work to do to avoid just being... Hitting the wrong angles. Taz is now in love with Ariel, by the way. As we all are. So to start the match, Knox hits a clothesline from hell, basically, and lands some strikes on the Vampire Man. The Vampire Man responds with the exact same combination of Mike Knox. A scoop slam to Kevin Thorne for a one-count from Knox, followed by a big boot that nearly gets a three before Thorne throws a foot on the ropes. Ariel is now screaming, not as bad as Melina, but pretty close. Ariel makes a blind tag, and so now Kelly Kelly has to come into this intergender match. So Mike Knox begrudgingly goes over to his girlfriend's corner and lets her tag in. Ariel lands a kick and whips Kelly around the ring by her hair. Yes. Chokes her over the ropes by her hair. Yes. Then lands some forearms, some legit-looking forearms to poor little 19-year-old Kelly. Kelly, it's crazy. Then chokes her with a boot, and this is when the cameraman gets, um, let's just say some interesting shots of Ariel's, uh, outfit, and they quickly cut away, for some reason, try it again. Kelly... Can't make it to Mike Knox for the tag. Oh, no. But she eventually finds her way over there. She reaches out, and Mike Knox does the most bullshit. I hate this when tag teams do this fucking bullshit. Pulls his hand back and walks away.
4: Hops down and walks away.
3: Why the fuck did he wrestle to begin with? Why would he even bother if he knew he was just going to bail? Because you wanted to prove a point. What point is that? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to screw you over.
4: Why? Because she was more but, worried about CM Punk than she was.
3: Oh, right. I forgot when she came out to the ring. she yeah. this. Oh, they almost paired her up with CM Punk, which would have killed Punk's career, basically, right off the bat. See, she, I don't think so. Of course you don't. You think all the bad ideas in wrestling are good. You are that guy. There's no, You're Vince McMahon. There's no bad ideas, only bad executions. CM Punk does not belong with a woman that looks like that on TV. He wouldn't be with a blonde cheerleader. Well, he doesn't deserve a woman like, looks like that anyway. But that's another story. AJ Lee is in more is in line, and Lita yeah, he looked more like his type. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't deserve AJ or Lita. Why don't you like him? I do I like CM understand. Punk. I like Punk.
4: I'm a huge fan of
3: Punk. And you don't think he's a Good-looking enough man to, I mean... No, I think he's butt-ass ugly. I think he looks fine. He just got a lot of tattoos. I just think he's another Glad actor. he ditched the lip ring thing. That looked Oh, good. yeah, that was pretty... Mike was upset over her flirting with CM Punk, and before this match started, she got on the mic and said, I just want to wish my CM Punk good luck in the elimination chamber. So, yeah, but what Mike Knox could have done is said, Hey, Kelly, why don't you start the match? As soon as the bell rung, he could have just walked down then. No work Walk involved. Out. Yeah, that Inst- makes sense. Instead, he went in there and got punched around by Vampire Man. At least he didn't get bit by. Him. Kelly is left alone and the crowd, because of the tease earlier with her and CM Punk, chant for CM Punk to come save the day. Well, yeah, but he hates this bit. So Ariel <laughs> just beats the shit out of her. Hits a modified choke slam and pins Kelly with her butt right in her face. Gives her a stink face pin, basically. And the vampires are victorious. Ariel throws some ugly worked punches that we'd see later in TNA uh, to Kelly Kelly. But then, not CM Punk. Of all your heroes, when you're in need, when you're looking up at the lights and you need a savior, who do you envision? Of course, the fucking Sandman. (laughs) The fucking beer-swilling, cigarette-smoking... Man from the stands that beats himself with a can to come save your life, he's and that's what she got.
4: He's bleeding before he even hits ringside. Yeah, he
3: inflicts the most damage to himself more than his opponent ever did. Yes, yeah. he actually is in great shape here. He looks, yeah, he tremendous, looks tremendous, yeah. But he comes in with his Singapore cane and he beats the shit out of the vampire, and then he drinks a beer. This is where they cut out on the network. They cut to Michael Cole in the WWE Studios, plugging Armageddon, and shitting on the ECW pay-per-view a little bit by saying, "Like, oh, that Sandman, what an original!" <laughs> Rebecca, whoever that is, is with Bobby Lashley. Heyman,
4: yeah, I didn't know this chick.
3: I did. I don't either. So Rebecca's with Bobby Lashley. Heyman and his goons, which were the Basham brothers and the uh, Shield version. Point five gear, their riot squad gear, uh, interfered so Tess could beat up Lashley on ECW on Sci-Fi. He says one man, one mission, ECW World Champion, in a very shitty promo. I think Bob Holly's promo might have been better. <laughs> Big Show in his tiny ECW belt is shown walking backstage with Holly and Test. Ooh, the heels are all together. That's scary. Promo package previews the Extreme Elimination Chamber with. Sabu still featured. This was a last-minute decision by Vince because he wanted equally three faces and three heels. He could not have the faces have the advantage. So he took Sabu out for no reason, even though the faces, by the way, as you'll see in the match, they beat each other up and eliminate one another. Oh yeah, It's every man for himself, so it doesn't really matter. So Sabu is still in this video package, yes, even though he's... At a local medical facility. Heyman comes out and plugs the main event and then says ECW will live on without him. Words that would not be true. Someone yells bullshit at this. Then he buries the old ECW because Sabu, the days of Sabu are long gone. Then he puts over Big Show and someone yells out Big Show will retire next year. Then he says, I order this chamber to lower.
1: You know, it's one thing to make plans for it, it's another thing to stand directly underneath it. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be your main event of the evening. And and right before I came out, I was standing in the back and 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 I realized to myself exactly what has been created. Exactly what, quite frankly, I created. Because I'll be honest with you, if you look at all the legendary things that have come forward, Hulkamania dies when Hulk Hogan dies. The woos will die with Ric Flair. But long after my death, but long after my death, ECW will live on. And that's all thanks to Paul Heyman. Maybe we should put that to the test. So tonight, Paul Heyman decides to top himself. Not just an elimination chamber, but the extreme elimination chamber. Six of the top athletes in the history of extreme championship wrestling vying for the right to walk back up that aisle tonight as the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The time? Now, earlier this evening, as you know, Sabu has now missed his opportunity to enter the chamber. <laughs> now, I personally would have liked to have seen the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, death-defying Sabu within the chamber, but let's all be honest with each other. The day of Sabu and the Sandman and Rob Van Dam has come to an end. let's fast forward to 2006 let's fast forward to 2007 like it or not this is the age of the global phenomenon of ecw led by your world champion the seven foot tall 500 pound big show So now, on behalf of that global phenomenon called ECW, I give you the crowning achievement of the Big Show's career. Because it is time now, ladies and gentlemen, to lower the extreme elimination
5: chamber.
3: And then they go over the rules. You know the rules of the chamber. Champion Big Show is out first. He's in terrible shape. He picks the pod with the bat.
4: Yeah, barbed bar- wire wrapped baseball bat. That he's
3: never used before. Babyface CM Punk is out next. He picks the pod with the chair, which is the one that I would pick, I guess. I would have
4: picked the one that Test comes out next and picks. Roy, Roy did
3: the- out of his mind Test. The balloon man. It looked like Macy's Day parade Test comes out. with. Uh, he picks the pod with the uh, with crowbar. So. Which is actually a pry bar, it's not a crowbar. Yeah, it was
4: not a crowbar, it was, but it was uh, very entertaining.
3: Oh, yes.
4: That's the weapon you want right there.
3: I don't think so. I guess, honestly, the barbed wire bad. if you weren't as stupid as Big Show with it, then you could do a lot of damage with it. But yeah. Lashley decides to pick the pod with the table in it. So now this big man has to stand with a table in a tiny pod for who knows how long, because he's got to wait for a timer to let him out. Then, Holly is out next, so he'll be starting the match in the ring.
4: With RVD.
3: He gets no weapon, by the way, yes. And Rob Van Dam, the fan favorite. He's going to win it all, of course. He's out next. He's the very last member, and he has no weapon as well.
4: I think that they should have,
3: the final two should have been able to bring in a weapon with them. It'll be five minutes before the first pod opens. So we have five minutes of RVD versus Hardcore Holly, which I know, Patrick, you were just... you were pumped over. I was. Because you love Sparky Plug. Holly takes RVD's neck against the top rope, and he throws him against the steel floor. RVD recovers, flips off Tess before Spider-Man leaping onto the cage and trying a crossbody off the cage, but instead... Hits the ropes with his gut, ouch. Holly then slams RVD on the steel. He repeats it as the timer continues to tick down. Holly goes up to the top turnbuckle. What are you doing up there? You never go up there. Well, you went up there to do a top rope nothing and get a boot to the face from RVD. RVD hits a rolling thunder from the ring to Holly, who was out on the steel, which did look pretty cool. RVD is then suplexed back into the ring for a two count from Holly. The timer concludes, and the first pod is selected. It's CM Punk.
4: I like that sound, by the way.
3: Yeah. That's the official sound. The pod selection sound. The first pod opened to CM Punk with his chair, who chucks it directly into Hardcore Holly's face. Yes. Then lands his fellow face, RVD. They were just hanging out at the ambulance. He decides to hit him with a springboard elbow. Well, yeah. Of course.
4: Nothing personal. It's just business.
3: But right off the bat, I mean, I thought we were on teams here. The whole point, three on three. Every man for himself, man. That's
4: what I keep trying to tell you. Paul Heyman kept saying, remember, it's every man for himself. However, for some reason, they forgot to let Test and Big Show
3: know that. RVD Monkey flips Punk onto the chair. CM Punk leg drops RVD onto the chair. Springboard drop kicks Holly right out onto the steel. RVD is now bladed and then gets thrown into a chair that Punk wedged in the corner. And then Punk kicks the chair into RVD's throat. It looked yeah. really. Yeah. It looked the the camera shot was really great. And yeah, it looked nasty. These are the two baby faces, by the way, yes. smashing, killing each other, by the way.
4: Because baby faces follow the rules. It's every man for himself, damn it.
3: Holly throws Punk into the chains and gets a two-count. Holly punts Punk out of the ring. Holly puts Punk onto the turnbuckle and smacks him a few times before superplexing him. RVD sneakily covers Punk for a two-count. Then when that doesn't work, Holly's like, well, I'll cover him then for a two-count. RVD chance breakout. CM Punk hits a running knee to Holly and then runs into a crescent kick from RVD. The timer is up, and it's time to be tested by test who has a pry bar and he digs at RVD's wound with it. Just like reminiscent of Kevin Nash and the screwdriver in that hell in a cell match. (sighs) That's just gross, man. And then I wouldn't want that thing to touch me with blood on it, but whatever. And so he chokes punk with his crowbar punk stops test with a stunner over the ropes. RVD grabs a chair and headshots test and Holly. Then he hits the van. Daminator to punk in the corner followed by the five-star frog splash. One, two, three, he eliminates CM Punk, the face turned on his best friend, for the very first elimination. Yeah. Logic out the window. The crowd boo this. Tess then big boots Holly after teasing one to RVD. Now the heels have turned on each other for a second. Tess covers Holly. One, two, and then the ref stops his count. And Tess gets up. And is like, what the fuck just happened? And then the ref tells Tess like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know." And then, for some reason, that Bob Holly's eliminated. Yes, despite no three count being made and no explanation given.
4: He kicked out, but I think he kicked out too late.
3: That's. What but I just like his defeatist attitude. You know, it's not like Holly stood up and was like arguing. Oh yeah. You know, he was just like, I really actually
4: think Holly was. uh. He
3: must have been scheduled to be eliminated. Yeah,
4: there. I really think he was scheduled to be eliminated. and The ref fucked
3: up. Yes. RVD hits a big kick to Test off the top turnbuckle. RVD climbs right in front of Big Show's pod, flips him off as he goes, goes on top of Big Show's pod. That's a mistake. Because Big Show holds his foot down as Test wallops RVD with a chair. Right in the side of the knee. Pulls him down, lays a chair on him, and now test is going on top of Big Show's pod. What are you doing? Drops an elbow drop that looked horrible. <laughs> it looked painful. It looked like an actual, like, this elbow is going to smash. It did. It smashed. He did not miss. This was no. not a worked elbow. No. He,
4: he took. L- he square on the chair. Square on Van Dam's face. This was
3: ugly. Just smashed him with this big elbow drop. This big, the biggest guy. I mean, next to Big Show, and the, I mean, the biggest ripped.
4: I mean, he was. I have not seen Test ever look this this jacked.
3: And he boy. puts you
4: in mind to Lashley at this point in time because he was that.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. He was bigger than Lashley. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He, was
4: he was. He was borderline Lex Luger. Yeah. I mean, he was really. I think he was bigger than
3: Sluger. One, two, three.
4: Van Ham's gone.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> the crowd is now completely given up on this fucking match. <laughs> a chorus of booze, bullshit chance, and the crowd knows that this is a bunch of fuck. Tess is now alone. Yeah. With one minute on the timer. This was agonizing to watch Tess just flop around waiting for that clock to. Tick down.
4: I want a big show to come out. I did, too. I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> are, we, are they going to stand around and hug for five <laughs> yeah. minutes? or Just stand
3: right outside Lashley's pod. Be like, come
4: on out, dude.
3: Yeah, with the bat yeah. and the crowbar. Just, yeah, go ahead and step out. Yeah. That would have been awesome.
4: We're just going gonna to stand here and wait on you, man.
3: <laughs> Lashley's pod is obviously selected next, but Heyman's goons, the Bashams, lock his pod and he can't escape. So I guess he's going to be stuck there for eternity. No, he decides he's going to take
4: the table.
3: Yeah, the table that he's been sharing this pod with, he says...
4: And he just he's going to ram it straight up into the, the the roof of his pod.
3: His chained roof. All the roofs were made of chains at this and time. And he
4: breaks this, this...
3: He breaks chains with, with a wooden table. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Process yeah. that one for... These tables that break... Constantly under the the slightest pressure. Five
4: pounds of pressure in the very middle of a table breaks the table. Okay, so common physics tells you this isn't possible.
3: But he made it happen because he he's made Superman. It
4: and then just shoots right out of the top
3: of it. And it's th- a clothesline to test.
4: Hits this top rope clothesline to test. Tears right through test.
3: Whips test into the pod that he emerged from and repeats it. You both suck, Chance, as Lashley boots the chair into Test's face. Lashley hits Test with the crowbar, spears Test, and eliminates him. And Big Show now is scared.
4: Yeah, we're waiting.
3: And the countdown is not near, being ready to let the big man go. So he sits there and he talks with Paul Heyman and he comes up with a game plan. Lashley gets his table out of his pod, and I'm like, oh, maybe he does use it in this match, because I recalled that he didn't. But no, no, he just throws his broken table towards Big Show's pod. It does nothing. And then he throws the chair towards Big Show's pod. And it does nothing as well. The timer ticks down. The door opens. Lashley has a chair, and Big Show has the barbed wire bat. Who will win the duel of the fates here? Big Show swings his barbed wire bat this. at Lashley and He's Lashley, swinging
4: like he's throwing an axe. And he he swings at Lashley, Lashley gets the chair up, Sideway's blocks it. Uses swings the again, chair as a
3: shield. Swings
4: it again, blocks
3: it. It's like Captain Fucking America here with the shield.
4: Swings it again, blocks it. He blocks five shots with Big this-
3: Show never thought maybe I should swing for like his legs or yeah. maybe I should, you know, fake a fake a shot. You know, Go gonna-
4: halfway and then then he didn't swing around, swing on the side or
3: something. No. Yeah, no. And then by the time he does get a clear shot, Big Show, in all of his from his debut at Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, this <laughs> man has just been fucking shit up left and right. He cost Vince McMahon that match in his debut. They debuted him to be an idiot, and here he is an idiot again. He gets this bat stuck in the chains of the cage. And that's the end of the bat. Yeah. You know that weapon that people just love to see used? No, you're not getting anything from it tonight. And you can't because neither of these guys are wearing padded clothing or anything, so it's not like they could hit each other with it. Why not? Okay, Patrick, I know. Yeah, if you want to look like Sabu with scars all over your body, yeah, go for it. Hey, that's just... Hey, what? Sacrifice for the business. (laughs) Bleed for this business, pal. That's right. Lashley whips Big Show into the chains. The ref pulls the bat out of the chains and puts it aside. Big Show then blades and gets thrown through a pod. So now he's bleeding. Heyman is screaming at Big Show to fight. Get in there and fight! 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 Big Show knocks Lashley down and goes for a choke slam, but Lashley reverses it into a DDT. Show tries a running power slam, much like... The monster among men, Braun Strowman, I guess Lashley had been studying tape on the British Bulldog and realized all you need to do is just slide out of this running power slam. He does. Hits a spear. One, two, three. New ECW champion, SmackDown's Bobby Lashley. Congratulations.
4: Yeah, I don't see how
3: this... To a lukewarm reaction. People were glad that Big Show was no longer the champ, but uh, not too excited about Lashley. Lashley then takes the belt and just like they did in the old ECW days had a big pyro celebration at the end of the night to celebrate. Yeah. And we go off the air and Patrick what did you think of the extreme elimination chamber? If I didn't know the storylines of the wrestlers involved, if I didn't know the wrestlers themselves and their history and you know the stink that Test and Big Show and Bob Holly have on them to me. You can't wash that off. You know, I can't watch a match with them and not just feel sad or feel bad or just not want to watch it because I know they're in it. And then the other three, I didn't know anything about CM Punk at the time, you know. Years later, you know, who knew that he would become such a huge superstar? Right. And I wasn't a Ring of Honor guy or an indie guy like if I'd been if I had been into it, you know, that would have been awesome to see him in there, but when he got eliminated, that would have really pissed me off. I mean, because it's okay that he gets eliminated, but...
4: Not the, like, first one out of the gate, practically. Right. You know. The
3: definite, yeah, he was the first one out the gate. Right. And then, and, and then if you just loved the original ECW, to see Rob Van Dam get defeated by Test, also? I mean, I don't know who... Or, or the fact that we bumped Sabu. Yeah, you bait and switch, you know? I really, instead of... He would have taken that barbed wire bat shot, you know? Oh, yeah. He's got nothing to lose. His body is just a giant scar. I would like to have seen uh, Sabu instead of seeing Punk. What they should have done is what they tried later on, which was... Almost like the W what the WCW did, the the new blood and the old guard or whatever. The ECW originals and the new people. Yeah. You should have had three of each. I mean they had all they had half a year to plan this thing, you know, to figure it out. But. If I was gonna do it,
4: I would have had Rob Van Dam, Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, Sandman, I would have brought Taz back. Taz is not wrestling. And then I would have thrown in there. Big Show. and had, I'm never
3: putting Big Show in there. But he's the champ. I wouldn't have had the belt on him. There's so many things. I wouldn't have
4: had the belt on him, but since the belt was on him, I would have made it a, originals, all originals, to because those are the ones that got you there. Those are the ones that I, I would put this match on their back.
3: Well, if I could bo- bo- go back in the past and book this, I would have, someone, I would have RVD probably going in as champ. And I would have him paired with Sabu and Tommy Dreamer. That seems fair. That's three originals. Yeah. And then I'd have, honestly, CM Punk, Stryker, and probably Mike Knox. I'd have to... I mean, Mike Knox was in that terrible thing with Kelly Kelly. I mean, that would have to all be rearranged. Like, those three new characters would have had, need better builds. Kevin but th-
4: Thorne went on to be a pretty big thing for... ECW. I No, if I was going to do this, I here's really. Originals, RVD, Tommy Dreamer, Sabu,
3: Sandman,
4: Stevie Richards.
3: And he was in the dark match. Rene Dupree. He beat Rene Dupree. You know, you went on to see
4: Terry Funk wrestle a year or two after this. So. No, he
3: was at One Night Stand. He was there that year. Okay, so I would have thrown Terry Funk in there. No, I or I would have thrown Balls Mahoney in there. You're trying to build something new. I feel like see you're Mr. Nostalgia. You would just put nothing but known acts in there. No, No, it's not that. It's the the fact that you're fucking Eric Bischoff. No, it's the fact that it's you're just I. I know your name, so I'll put you in the match. No, oh CM Punk, I've never heard of you. No, please go sweep.
4: No, I if I would have, instead of Bobby Lashley winning, I would have had Punk win tonight.
3: Really? Oh, well, if you're going to have, I mean, yeah, in the direction that they went with having a new guy win it. And that was Paul Heyman's idea. That was his pitch was that CM Punk would win and that actually Big Show would be beaten right away. So you guarantee the title change. Yeah. And then the rest of the match can build because, my God, we'll have a new champion no yeah. matter what. That's what he pitched to Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon said, nah. Nah, I don't want any of that. And so when this pay-per-view did so bad, 90,000 worldwide buys, 55,000 domestic, well, there was a plane ride that Vince and Paul Heyman were on, and you've heard of many plane rides from hell, and this, I guess, was one of them. Yes. And Vince blamed Paul, even though Vince hand booked this fucking show. It's Paul Heyman's fault. So Paul Heyman quit f- right there on the spot. Yeah. Even though he was, they came back and offered him a spot under Stephanie on SmackDown. And he said, nah, fuck that. I'm, I'm just out of here. And then we wouldn't see him for many years later. Yeah. And then, well, we know what happened with ECW. It went out of business. And, well, WWE, ECW, I'm not going to say out of business because they weren't a business. They were a brand. They went off the air in 2010. Big Show, after this match, would have one more match on ECW on Sci-Fi, and then announce his retirement which, as in most wrestling retirements, he actually signed a contract extension after this match. Somebody, Vince, I guess, saw, man, oh, we gotta have him back! Signed a contract extension, but took some time off to once again go and lose weight and come back looking different. Every time. This man looks different every time he comes back. And, of course, as far as the ECW originals go, while many of them were cut, I think the longest-lasting one there Dreamer was probably the longest, and RVD lasted a, a long time. But out of the others, honestly, Balls Mahoney was, like, one of the last ones standing as far as the originals before yeah. they all got cut. And then, you know, ECW turned into basically a developmental show. They would just bring in just random anybody or, or new signings from TNA to try to, like, Wildcat Chris Harris was on there. So, like, I... Wildcat didn't get he didn't get uh a, no. Braden Walker, yeah, not too good. He didn't
4: get a fair break, I
3: thought. But it was also the place of some returns, like Christian Cage came back to the company and won the ECW title belt. And so but this is a brand that would also feature ECW champion Chavo Guerrero and ECW champion Kane, ECW champion Vince McMahon. So yeah. After this, this pay per view was so bad. Really wait a minute. You glanced over that very quickly. Really
4: think about that. ECW champion Vince McMahon. In his do-rag, of course. Just let that simmer on the pile
3: of shit that is now stinking. He just wanted to just piss on the rest of those ECW. The very few ECW fans that were still around, he just wanted to totally just say, you know what, I I know you guys have stuck through a lot of bullshit, but fuck you one more time. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. like I like always said, with Woken Matt Hardy, this was not his creation. No. And he pissed on it. Yeah. So that's just what I worry about with stuff like that. Yes. And it's what's going to happen. No, no, no. We we don't know yet. Well,
4: No, we know. It's, let's it's be what's going to happen.
3: But this show overall, the one good thing that did come of this show is it was so bad, so terrible, so poorly reviewed. One Wrestling Observer Newsletter's worst show of the year. Uh... No more individually branded pay-per-views until, of course, 2016 when we started doing it again. But that meant that all brands would be featured on all shows, which was good because... They, during, that. they needed that. Brand. Well, during this time, I never watched like SmackDown. I don't think... This was during that time when we couldn't even get SmackDown in our area, yeah. I think. And so, why would I watch a SmackDown pay-per-view? Yeah. So... Yeah, then uh, ECW would turn into NXT on television, the contest version. And we'd meet Daniel Bryan and Byron Saxton and all those great guys. And uh, David Otunga, future divorcee of Jennifer Hudson. So, Well, Patrick, what did you think of this show? It, uh, Yeah, it was pretty bad. The matches other than the opening match, if the last match, like I said, if I took out all my knowledge of the characters, the storylines, the booking, and everything, I think the last match is actually a pretty good match. Tommy
4: Dreamer needed to be a part of that last
3: match. Yeah, I'd put him in over Bob Holly, absolutely. Him and Sabu. I'd take anybody over Bob Holly and, and Big Show. I mean, I understand he has the belt, but I'm just saying... Overall, that match really wasn't that bad of a match. It was a great idea. Great concept. Wasn't extreme enough. Poor execution. I don't think it was extreme enough, but outside of that, I really thought it was a good match. Like if I just imagine them all as creator wrestlers what you don't know who any of them are. Yeah. Imagine this was just an indie show. Yeah. Like I would love to see an indie elimination show. It would be so ghetto. Uh <laughs> this would be okay. This yeah. is fine. You know, it's fine, but it's all the booking. It's all the, the bullshit. It's all that, that makes it pretty terrible. Yeah. Now, so that's why Hardy's M and Eminem is my match of the night. Just hands down. I thought striker did a great promo, but I thought the match, all those middle matches between the opening match and the main event just existed to exist. They had no finishes I guess Heyman was probably pissed off about his main event booking being changed and probably just said, I just roll him up I just walk out on Kelly. Kelly just came up with lazy booking solutions. Unless Vince wrote those too. I wouldn't be surprised, but those, they were terrible. Yeah. And even the, even the wrestling parts of them, I couldn't get like up for, I couldn't be like, yeah, this is a great spot here. Like, no, so. Well, you said you really liked the Matt Striker match. I did, because he worked the crowd so well that it was extremely entertaining to watch. Extreme enforcement of the rules also appeals to your referee at heart, because <laughs> well, yeah. you have to know the rules and you have to know how to enforce them. But,
4: but the fact that like he could tell the armbar was pissing fans off. So he just go back. He'd it. go right back to it, and as soon as he would take him down for it, or you know, just latch it in, and the fans would just get hotter and madder, and just start cussing and flipping him off, and just start. I mean, it just it was very entertaining because the fans were so into that match.
3: They were just into their hatred of, of one Matt match Striker, striker. Yeah. yeah. But the match itself shit. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. The physicality of it was, yeah. But So on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where are you putting ECW, WWECW? December to dismember from Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Where does it land? I'm really... Oh, this is hurting your head. Oh, no. It is. I know you're ill. Please don't throw up over this th- very difficult decision.
4: It is a very short, a very deflated
3: CM Punk. Wow, so baby CM Punk. Yeah. A 2006 CM Punk. I'm going to take a Zach Gowan because this pay-per-view doesn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> oh, that is so wrong. Tenacious Z. Sorry, I, I loved that. I idea. loved Zach yeah. Gowan. I thought it was cool. I thought it was neat because it had never been done before, as far as Kerry Von Erich didn't have a foot, but no one knew that. Like, it wasn't ever brought up. Like, yeah. we have a one footed wrestler. It should, like, had he stuck around, had he not unfortunately passed away, um, they definitely, the attitude era or like new gen, they would have stolen that motherfucker's foot. I know they were like his fake prosthetic. Foot. Yes. Yeah. Ripped it off. Yes, absolutely. The repo man should have taken it. <laughs> that is so wrong. I know, but <laughs> but they never but as far as um a wrestler with a disability, they've never done that. No. I mean, and went well, if you count Eugene, how I mean, that's just disgusting, you know, like beating up someone with like special needs or Kurt Angle smashing Eugene. I know we've talked about Eugene before, but I love Eugene. Well, Eugene, the guy that played Eugene... I named my
4: dog after Eugene.
3: I know, but it's not a good way to treat people like that. It was a very bad example. I mean, not that wrestling sets good examples. The man
4: who played Eugene, though, is a very... Nick he, Densmore, I He believe. is a very gifted wrestler, and he's very talented. And he, he, he was so well-versed in the understanding of the business... And he was a veteran before he even got that that ride into, to the Eugene And he character. just did what he
3: was told. I mean,
4: and and it, he he was given. It's like, here you go. What do you do when life gives you shit? You make lemonade out of it, and that's what he did, and it worked. Fans loved it. So uh, so
3: Patrick, I gave you a great Christmas, a great early Christmas present this week. What do you have for me next week? i
4: giving our fans an early Christmas present.
3: Uh-huh. I'm giving
4: them, we're going to go to Monday Night Raw, okay. episode 239. Episode 239, of course. What is that? December 22nd, 1997. Oh, the golden age. If you don't know this, this is the, when you think of Christmas and Monday Night Raw hand in hand, this is the show.
3: This has a very iconic scene. Yes, we're going to... This is... Two very iconic scenes, in my opinion.
4: Gold Dust is being decorated into a Christmas tree. Santa Claus meets Stone Cold Steve Austin. And none other than Sergeant Slaughter puts the two men of DX against each other.
3: In a feud that would reignite in 2002 and seemingly never end after (laughs) that. This was the preview. The first match... This is uh, it. The first match was very close. This is a this very it. close match. If you heard, if
4: you, hey, well, spoiler, if you heard about, I don't know, maybe last week's episode of Retro Wrestling Podcast, we did talk about this and hint at this show. Just FYI. Uh, yeah, I, I've always enjoyed watching this. It's very entertaining. It's a very short show, though. It's a very short show, though. But it's good. It's it's the holidays.
3: uh, We need to get through it, so.
4: Yeah, so we're, uh, but it's, that is my Christmas gift to our fans, is to review the Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw.
3: All right, the most famous Christmas episode in Monday Night Raw history, for whatever reason.
4: Yeah, I don't know why it is, but it is. It just is. they, They always love to air this around Christmas time. Well, they
3: aired that one clip, the one with Austin. Santa, and Santa wanting sable, yes, is definitely...
4: Oh, well, DX has a couple of Christmas gifts for you as well.
3: Oh, yes, which I believe in the original airing was not as censored. No, no. They didn't have their DX logo properly placed at the time. So, they, uh, Yeah, they had their stockings stuffed. <laughs> okay. Well that'll do it for this week I'm intern Alex
4: (laughs) I'm the one and only The greatest referee In professional wrestling history Patrick Young
3: Saying as always
4: (laughs) My closing line's a close line
3: Bingo bango. WWE's version of ECW That was launched
5: in 2006 Sucked It sucked from the very beginning And when I say it sucked I say that because it was nothing Like the original ECW So had it been called anything else It would have been fine It would have been a nice little wrestling show
2: If WWE would have called that third brand, anything but ECW would have had a chance to succeed. But you can't resurrect an authentic version of ECW. You know,
1: I look out into this crowd and I can honestly tell you from the bottom of my heart that if this is the ECW audience, I'm glad I dumped the company in 2001.
5: Oh, he was super frustrated, everybody was. He was frustrated, Rob Van Dam was frustrated, Big Show was frustrated, I was frustrated. Everybody was super frustrated.
1: He's the idiot from uh, Search for the Holy Grail, you know?
5: Come back here and fight, it's only a flesh wound,
1: you know, and there's just a head sitting there. I mean, hey man, your leg's cut off. I know, but I still got one more, let's fight. You know, that's, that's him. He's got courage and, and passion uh, more than common sense.
2: So here's Vince competing with me over the direction of ECW when he owns the company. So it's fait complete. There's no way it's gonna work. And it's just gonna lead to a fallout. It's just gonna lead to everybody having hard feelings, which is exactly what happened. I look at WWE's ECW as a divorce and someone got remarried And they have now the child known as ECW. And it's the father of ECW having to watch ECW raised by the stepfather. And hey, that's not what's good for my son. Well, your son now lives with me. And this is how it's going to be.
4: Vince and Paul didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And it's just unfortunate for really all of us.
2: We talked all the time. And he would tell me like, They brought up 10 things at the meeting. I can get seven of them shot down. There's three things that we're fighting on, you know, and that's how it was like all the time.
4: I think at the end of the day, Paul couldn't swallow that he wasn't the boss, and he didn't know how to work with somebody who was the boss and who didn't just take all of his ideas and agree with them.
2: He's amazing creative. You give him no guidelines, just tell him go out there and create,
0: you'll have genius.
4: And then he started getting in the talent's ear and pulling people aside, and we couldn't find them. And then when we did, they were off in the corner, and then you'd get Paul's eyes, like, looking at someone. Like, it just... (laughs) It just was a distrustful situation. If you can't trust someone, you can't be in business with them. It just doesn't work.
2: The day that Vince and I had our blowout, you would never have expected me back in this company. No way. No way. It was so bad. It was so miserable. It was so many years of of aggravation. I mean, just the conflict that we had on his plane alone, one would think I would never be back. I think it's a testament to Vince that I'm back here because clearly I was flipped out. I wanted to go. I want it out of here, and when it all came to a head, it was not pretty.